I decided to dedicate my life to try to find how can we extend the lifespan, but also how can we expand the health span. Because it's not enough to live to 120. We want to reach to 120 when we are completely functional. Hello and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. We call it Lama. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. This episode is brought to you in association with Clinique La Prairie, the award-winning spa clinic and pioneering health and wellness destination nestled on the shores of Lake Geneva in Montreux, Switzerland. Combining preventative medicine with bespoke lifestyle and nutrition plans, Clinique La Prairie offers a holistic approach to living fuller, healthier, and longer lives. Now, as many of us try to pursue lifestyles that nurture our health and well-being, which interventions or lifestyle traits really make a difference to our health span? How can we trust the information that we're bombarded with every day about diet and exercise and supplements? There are many enduring questions like these, and oftentimes it can be quite bewildering sifting through the latest guidance and data if you really want to dig deep into the science. Well, today our guest is Dr. Gil Blander, the founder and CEO of Inside Tracker, the personalised health and performance analytics company, which you could say does the legwork in digesting and analysing the latest innovations and research to help educate us about how to live our lives based on our individual data. Dr. Blander, welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Thank you, Peter. It's my pleasure. It's really good to talk to you. And just picking up on that final point that I made, based on our individual data, I think it's always important, isn't it, to remember that we're all different, incredibly complex and varied in our biology. And as far as longevity science is concerned, one size doesn't necessarily fit all. We're individual. Yeah, I am 100% agree with you. And um, we we need to look at ourselves as a, a unique uh, a creature. And I, I really like the analogy of the car. Uh, we are uh, taking the car every 5,000 miles or so to the technician. Uh, he plug a computer to the, uh, to the car. And the computer telling the technician exactly what is not working well in the car. And based on that, the technician uh, do whatever he need to do. And uh, then you take the car again after another 5,000 miles and do it again and again and again. So it's like a feedback loop. And research showed that since we incorporate this uh, routine maintenance of the car uh, in the 80s, the lifespan of the car increased from around 100,000 miles to around 200,000 miles just by uh, doing routine maintenance. So what I, I was trying to do with InstaTracker, what we are trying to do with InstaTracker is do the same with our body. So every 5,000 miles or so, We'll uh, plug a needle into your vein because we cannot plug a computer in, into our brain yet. And the needle will uh, uh, extract a liquid gold called blood. The blood will tell us exactly what are the issues that we have in our body, hopefully small issues, and we can uh, take care of them using a food, supplement, exercise, and lifestyle changes. And then uh, 5,000 miles after that, we'll uh, uh, do it again and again and again. And uh, hopefully that will allow us uh, in the future to live longer, better life. Yeah, it's a great analogy. And I, I want to dig a little deeper into that. Before we do that, your PhD is in biology from the Wiseman Institute 
of Science, which is in Israel. He did postgraduate research on ageing at MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of, of Technology here in the States. I'm curious how you got interested in this field. Did you study biology and then this whole field of longer term health and longevity kind of dawned on you? Or was it something you set out to do at the beginning? Yeah, it came very early to me. Uh, when I was 12, a, a relative of mine passed away. And uh, instead of being sad about her, I started to be sad about myself, that I won't live forever. And I decided to dedicate my life to try to find how can we extend the lifespan, but also how can we expand the health span? Because no, it's not enough to live to 120. We want to reach to 120 when we are completely functional. I like to cycle, so I want to continue to cycle at the age of 120 and not uh, be lying on a bed and connected to a lot of tubes. So because of that, I study biology, as you said, a PhD at the Weizmann Institute. And at that time, we haven't had any lab in Israel that studied aging. So I came to the best uh, scientist at uh, the Weizmann at that time. And I said, I know that you are expert in cancer and I appreciate it, but uh, I'm interested in aging. So I would like to study something that related to aging at your lab. And he said, listen, I'm an expert in uh, uh, cancer. If you want, go to the library and find an idea of what you should work on. So I went to the library and spent a couple of weeks at the library. And then uh, uh, I found that they, at, uh, at that time, more or less, uh, they uh, found the reason why, uh, uh, not the reason, but the gene that's responsible for Werner syndrome. I'm not sure that you heard about it. It's a premature aging uh, a syndrome, mainly in the Japanese population. Very rare, around one in eight million uh, have this disease. And it's similar to progeria, but it's called the progeria of the adults because instead of them uh, starting to age at the age of uh, three or so, they started to age at the age of 20 or so. And then they are uh, dying at, uh, at their 40s with a lot of uh, signs of aging, like graying hair and uh, cancer and, uh, and other uh, issues. Uh, so I said, okay, they found the, the gene for that. It was an interesting gene because it was both helicas and exonuclears, and uh, again, for uh, not a scientific audience, it's uh, both of them are enzymatic activity that's important to take care of, uh, of DNA. So it was an interesting uh, uh, gene. And in terms of, uh, and you referred to uh, describing the science there in ways that I suppose ordinary people can understand, in ordinary people language, what motivates you, and especially on this issue of health span, which you, you nicely defined there, the number of years that we can optimise uh, good health and enjoy life, whether it's uh, physically enjoy life, mentally enjoy life, socially enjoy life. What is your big motivator? I, I enjoy life and I, I want to continue to enjoy it. And I think that uh, uh, I hope that most of us also enjoy life. And I think that we can live longer. I, I, there is uh, no reason why, uh, uh, I don't see any barrier that uh, say, uh, we have to live until today, the average is 82 or so. So we have to live until 82. We know that the maximum uh, lifespan uh, as of today, as much as I know, is around 122. There is a, a lady in uh, France that uh, died, I don't know, 10 or 20 years ago that uh, lived to that. That's the, let's say, the maximum barrier that we know. But I'm, I'm not sure that that's the maximum barrier. There are some uh, papers that published re recently using some uh, computational biology that uh, they done some uh, complex computational biology and go to the point that uh, they believe that uh, 150 is the limit. Okay, so uh, somehow we can reach to the maximum lifespan can be 150. But I, I'm saying maybe it's even more than that. 
Now, if the maximum is 150, and if you are looking at, a, a, let's say, one century ago, the average lifespan was around 40. So think about it that uh, today is 80 and it was 40. I don't think that it's a rocket, uh, it's a rocket science or a science fiction to come and say that we can have the average of 120 in another uh, century or so. So I think that there is a lot of uh, uh, expansion of uh, the lifespan ahead of us. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that uh, you refer to the lady that got to uh, 122. There are others that have got certainly to the 100 teens, uh, you know, between 10 and, and 120. And they did that without the benefit of the science that exactly. we understand and yeah. the advice about nutrition, exercise, lifestyle. And, and it logic really follows that if individuals can without the benefit and the advice in their lives to, to get to a great age we don't really know how and why they got to that age but it does stand to reason that uh, certainly many more of us could potentially have the same opportunity to get to a very old age yeah, absolutely so let's dive into inside tracker you started by talking about it i'd like to just fully understand exactly what it is and how it works what led you to to form this company and, and get involved in the first place and we'll continue this conversation in just a moment hey quick question for you are you someone who wants to be fit healthy and happy and what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. When I arrived to MIT, I started to be exposed to the biotech, pharma, high-tech environment of Kendall Square. And Kendall Square is the area around MIT. It's like a one mile around MIT that you can find maybe almost 1,000 different companies or startups that are doing a lot of cool, starting a lot of good, cool ideas. And I started to be involved with some of them via my supervisor, Lenny Garante, or via someone that used to be a postdoc in the lab, David Sinclair, which I'm sure that you heard about, and via some other entities that I needed the reagent to do some experiment, and I realized that the reagent went out of the Merck catalog, which is the catalog of all the reagent that you used to you can use in a, a, as a scientist. So I came to the company and said, I want to partner with you. And luckily, they have been in Boston, so I started to work with them. And also, um, I, w- I was fortunate enough that uh, Estee Lauder, the cosmetic company, came to Lenny and said, hey, we want to support your research. And uh, at that time, I'd done some research on uh, uh, fibroblast or, and keratinocyte uh, uh, differentiation and aging. So they uh, funded my research. So all of that uh, point me to the decision that actually being a professor in the academia is not the best use of my time to help humanity. Uh, and maybe if I start my own company, I can contribute more to humanity. And because of that, I decided to uh, leave uh, the academia and join the computational biology system biology company and work there for a couple of years. And this company developed a, a nice platform that allow you to take a lot of data, put it into this platform, and then it build you a pathway. How this, for example, you treat a, a mice with, let's say, resver- resveratrol, okay? What are the changes that happen to the mouse 
in a global way, not in a one pass way like, like most of the scientists today research. I, I, they know uh, metformin and IGF-1 and all of that and going there, but let, let's look at the global effect. So they done it for a lot of big pharmaceutical companies like uh, Pfizer and GSK and other. And uh, uh, I said, okay, let's use this platform let me collect all the uh, publicly available data related to caloric restriction. And let's try to build a model and understand, okay, what, what caloric restriction is really doing? Because even if you ask someone today, there are a lot of uh, different answers. That was uh, in 2007 or eight, So that was long ago. And I, 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 I took that information, uh, uh, put it into this uh, platform and came with, uh, I think that it was around 16 different uh, pathways or processes that were modulated by caloric restriction. And I said, okay, that's, uh, that's interesting. But uh, as, as a good scientist, I said, okay, let's, uh, <laughs> let's have some controls because in science you have to do some control. So one control that I used was a, a young versus old mice. Again, all from peer-reviewed scientific publication, uh, publicly available. So it wasn't a new uh, study that I've done. I just collect, collected the data and reused it. And the other one, uh, uh, at that time, David Sinclair published a paper about uh, uh, how resveratrol uh, actually increased the lifespan of uh, obese mice and basically make them to, to live longer. Uh, so I said, let's take the data of that as well. And let's try to see what is the overlap between the caloric restriction and the, uh, the mice that treated with resveratrol or the mice that uh, the young versus old mice. To my surprise, the caloric restricted mice have an overlap of only like two processes out of the 16. And the young versus old mice also had an overlap of, a, of a two processes, but completely different processes. So basically caloric restriction is not 100% overlap with aging and not 100% overlap with resveratrol. So that was an interesting result. So the data is telling you that I mean, none of this, none of the, especially the, the biomarkers that we think are associated with longevity, nothing is cut and dry. There's, there are grey areas. Excellent. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's telling me that uh, at that time, resveratrol was, uh, it was at uh, the hype of the resveratrol after David Sinclair found that he's an uh, activator of uh, CRT1. So everyone, uh, you've seen the consumption of red wine went to the roof and the uh, people are uh, uh, using uh, resveratrol all over. And what it showed me that, yeah, maybe resveratrol is a good activator uh, or good uh, uh, mimetic, let's say, of caloric restriction, but it's definitely only mimic maybe 10% of caloric restriction. So what does it mean? If that's the best mimetic of caloric restriction, the second best maybe will do half of the work and the third will do half of the second. So uh, I calculated and I realized that it might be a few tenths of a good a, a mimetic of caloric restriction that you need to make a mix of them in order to really mimic caloric restriction. And then I, I said, okay, but that's all like a small molecules they might have side effect and uh, all of that. So then uh, with a, a few of my colleagues at that company, we said, why can't we use food? Why can't we use a food as a drug of choice? We know that there are 8,000 or so foods available today for us as a, a people in the US. And if you look at the average American in an average week, we maybe consume 20 of those 8,000. 
meaning that uh, we have a universe like that and we are using a very small uh, percentage of the universe. And also, almost all of us consume the same food. So all of us eat uh, bread and cheese and uh, egg and, uh, I don't know, chicken. So what, what, what we came with is, uh, is saying, first, we need to expand it and find what, what is the right intervention for the right person. So let's find what are the issues that each of us, uh, either Gil or Peter or anyone else in the, in the U.S. or in the world have, and then let's assign to him or her the best uh, 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 food that we or, or other intervention that will allow uh, him to get optimized. So you have all of this data. How is it of a practical help to the people that use your platform? Yeah, so, so first I want to say that the platform is uh, very scientific. So every recommendation that you receive is based on a peer-reviewed scientific publication. And that's why we decided to start with blood because uh, the data about blood is really medical uh, we have a history and a lot of peer-reviewed scientific publication for the last century or so. So basically, we can see a lot of information and extract a lot of information. For example, your glucose is high. What are the natural interventions that you can do in order to improve glucose? So it can be uh, consume more fiber. It can be uh, sleep better. It can be uh, lose weight if you are overweight. It can be uh, uh, exercise more if you are not exercise enough. It can be distressed. There are a lot of things that you can extract from the peer-reviewed scientific publication. What is nice about it also is that uh, it depends on your situation. So, for example, for someone like you and me, losing weight is not uh, won't work so well because we are, we are not overweight, okay? Or someone that is, a, let's say, marathon runner to tell him to run that doesn't want to improve his glucose if his glucose is high because he's already doing it. So uh, we can find, based on the peer-reviewed scientific publication, what is the subpopulation that this intervention will work uh, for. And then we can present it to the, uh, to the customer and say, hey, we are, we are recommending you to run uh, half an hour a day. And the reason for that is this peer-reviewed scientific publication. If you want to, click on it and read it. If you don't want to, we have a blog about it. If you don't like to read blog, okay, you have a video of two minutes that explain it to you. So basically, different layer of uh, complexity, because not all of us are scientists with a PhD that will read a paper. Some of us like to uh, listen to a, a, a podcast, like your podcast. Some of us uh, like to see video, and some of us uh, love to read. So we are trying to uh, cater to each person for each uh, profession, a uh, a preferred uh, method of communication. And also we are giving you all the information that you need. So some of us uh, like a, a, a short uh, a communication, some of us like to go very deep, everyone can do that. And also what we uh, have done uh, uh, recently, we published a paper, a peer reviewed scientific paper that we looked at a cohort of uh, around 1000 of our users that uh, uh, got tested in a baseline and then follow up on average seven months after the baseline. And we looked at uh, what is the effect of the InstaTracker platform on the level of their uh, blood biomarkers from baseline to follow up. We had this cohort of 1,000 uh, uh, customers and uh, we looked at subpopulation of them, for example, that started with high cholesterol, or high glucose or high inflammation. And uh, basically, we uh, uh, monitor them and have seen on, on average what was the effect on the glucose or cholesterol or inflammation. 
I just want to say that uh, this cohort of 1,000 or so uh, uh, users uh, selected uh, around 525 different interventions. So it's not all of them selected the uh, fiber or not all of them selected the uh, sleep longer. Right. They selected a lot of different uh, interventions. Uh, and what we have seen when we look at subpopulation that started with high glucose or high cholesterol or high inflammation or uh, low vitamin D, we have seen a very significant improvement of the level of those blood biomarkers from baseline to follow-up. So it was a statistical significant, but also biological significant. Again, it's it's an observational study, so I cannot say that uh, insert tracker work 100%. As a scientist, I cannot say it. But as an observation, it shows us that uh, at least there is a coincidence between using insert tracker platform and improving your blood biomarkers. So how do users of your service benefit from the information that they can glean from you? alongside what they can do with their own doctor, their own personal physician, because at a more practical level, that is the person that people generally turn to, and I would advise turn to if they have health problems, to speak to the doctor who has more intimate knowledge about their lifestyle and and certainly health history than, than anyone else. How can they meld the two? Yeah, so first we are not trying to practice medicine at all. Uh, what we, uh, I think that uh, uh, the healthcare system is a good system for someone that is sick. Uh, and uh, they know very well how to treat someone that is sick and uh, they're doing it uh, amazingly in the last, uh, I don't know, uh, in the last uh, <laughs> few centuries, let's say. Uh, and we can see that the lifespan, if we're going back, it was uh, 40 years uh, a century ago. Now it's around 80 years uh, now. Most of it is due to what they done and they, they, they are doing a great job. But I, I think that the issue with that is that they don't know what to do with someone that is healthy. So let's say that 95% of us are healthy. That, But the healthy is like, a, I'm healthy and you are healthy. It doesn't mean that we are in the same place. It's not like a black and white. You're, one day you are black and one the other day you are white or vice versa. It's like it's a prism. There is a lot of gray. So what we are trying to do at InsideTracker is to find how gray you are and try to take you as much further away from being sick. Meaning, let's assume that, uh, let's take glucose as an example. So uh, fasting blood glucose, uh, uh, today the normal range is uh, 65 to 99. Doesn't matter if you are young or old, male or female, Caucasian or African-American, marathon runner or couch potato, a monk or a drinking like crazy. <laughs> All of us have the same a, a normal zone. So what we said, let's build an optimal zone for each of us based on your age and gender and ethnicity and athletic activity and so on. Let's bring an optimal zone, again, based on a, a science or based on a peer-reviewed scientific publications or based on a big database that we have, we have database of uh, hundreds of thousands of people. And based on that, we uh, we can find uh, what is your optimal zone. So the optimal zone is always uh, narrower than the normal zone. And then let's try to push you to the optimal zone. Why? Because as f- further away you are from the normal zone, in our opinion, is better. What we are doing in that case is giving you a recommendation to treat something that is very small and your physician will ignore it completely. But we are saying, yeah, he's right. But if you want to be completely optimized, you need to 
take care of it and uh, pay attention to it. And another way perhaps of describing what you've just talked about in terms of pushing someone into that optimum zone, you could say it's essentially trying to lower the biological age of an individual Correct. as much as possible, as opposed to the chronological age. So you might be 60 years old, but you might have the equivalent of the average body for someone of, of your sex of a 50-year-old exactly. or a 45-year-old, which, which uh, is to be desired. Exactly, yeah. And and I think that uh, uh, now there are a lot of people that are coming saying, hey, all of it is basically based on my genetics. And uh, I cannot do anything about that because uh, I, I got uh, bad genes. I heard a lot of people saying that. But uh, my response to that is, yeah, you might uh, have been born with the bad genes, but uh, when you go and play uh, cards in the casino, sometimes you get a good cards and sometimes you get a bad cards. And uh, what are you doing when you are getting a bad cards? You are playing the best that you can to beat the someone that got the good cards. So it's the same here. The genes are basically the cards. The environment and the, uh, your behavior is how you play the card. So if you will play the card well, you can beat someone that got a very good cards. And that's what we need to do. You need to play the best that you can with what you have, because that's what you have. You cannot change the card. The card is your body. That's what you have. I think essentially what you're saying is sometimes people use uh, genetics, use that phrase, it's in my genes, almost as an excuse for a, a, a lifestyle that doesn't promote good health. Exactly, yes. And, uh, and basically they want to party and uh, and they want to have an excuse to party. And, and by the way, I don't say I'm not saying that uh, you shouldn't party, but don't party every day. Uh, party once a week or once a month, and the rest of the time, uh, 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 try to be the best that you can uh, be. And then the party will also get a lot of uh, a meaning because when you party every day, it's it's your lifestyle. But when you party once a month, you are waiting for this party and you enjoy it so much more. So uh, that's that's the philosophy that I have. Yeah, party, but don't party every day. Well, it also depends on how you party as well. You can still party in a way that gives you a, a good feeling and, and being happy and yeah. being social, all those things that people associate with partying are actually good for our health yeah. in the longer term. You're talking about, obviously, the extremes of partying, extreme alcohol, yeah. lack of sleep those kinds of aspects of someone's life that are clearly not good for us. Exactly, yeah. A lot of what you've been talking about uh, is longevity science from and developments in longevity science. I would say in the last decade, there's really been an explosion of, uh, of certainly of interest, but in, in developments as well during that time. I'm just curious in terms of your interpretation of where we are with longevity science now, the, the, the fact that people are, I think, beginning to realize what it's all about. There's certainly an element of uh, of people looking on into the longevity space with a certain amount of disbelief, thinking that it's about eternal life and living forever, which I, I don't believe it is. I think it's all about health span. But I think we're beginning to turn the corner. And maybe the COVID pandemic has had something to do with that, making people realize the value of, of everyday health. Yeah. And yeah, and I think that uh, I agree with you. Uh, I've seen a lot of progress in the longevity science uh, in the last decade or so. I think that one of them is uh, all the clocks that we have uh, right now. Some of them like the epigenetic clocks or what we call the Horvath clock. That's uh, something that is interesting. Uh, but also we and others develop some clocks that uh, are more... Uh, 
based on blood biomarkers and other. And what is nice about those clocks that are more lifestyle responsive. So today, if you look at the Horvath clock or the epigenetic clock, it's not responsive too much to life, lifestyle. I think that the, the reason for that is that they haven't been developed on the right uh, training set. So basically, the goal with those clocks was to try to find what is the best correlation between uh, the age of a person and the methylation of his uh, DNA. And uh, what uh, uh, the right way to do it, in my opinion, is to now take a, a database of people that uh, have, have had a high weight and lost weight or haven't been exercised and started to exercise, or uh, drank a lot of alcohol and stopped uh, uh, drinking alcohol. And then when you train it like that, it can be lifestyle responsive. Because without that, it's uh, it's not exciting because you cannot modulate it. So I think that a, a, a clock like a clock that we developed that is based on uh, blood biomarkers are more exciting today because they are responsive. Okay, my glucose is high. I will get some penalty. I can decrease my glucose the next time my my uh, inner age or biological age go down. So that's one one place that I think that is very exciting. Uh, the other one is that we are starting to see some, uh, uh, let's say, small molecules uh, uh, or other intervention that uh, might be able to expand lifespan. Some of them are uh, long, uh, long ago, like uh, caloric restriction, which we discussed before. So that's, uh, I would say, almost a century ago it was found, and uh, it still looks like a, a very a robust way. Uh, another one is the the diet that uh, uh, the longo have, uh, uh, the Polon diet, that it's uh, uh, starting to get more and more popularity. And uh, I know that he haven't started a company based on that. So I think that it's another way of uh, more like a lifestyle. That's the fasting mimicking diet. Uh, we, we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast. In fact, I, I've done the diet myself several times. I was part of the first uh, human clinical trial with, with Dr. Longo yeah. looking at that regime. Listeners to this can go back on previous episodes to, to listen to the detail. But I think it is fair to say, isn't it, that, that fasting and different elements of fasting, or at least caloric restriction, is probably still the most guaranteed intervention to extend our lives? As of today, I agree with you, but there are a few uh, uh, molecules that right now are in the trial, even in human. Uh, metformin is one of them. It's a, it's a drug for uh, originally for pre-diabetic to maintain them in a low level of glucose that uh, uh, yeah. have shown some uh, promising uh, data, mainly in humans, some in mice, but that's debatable. Um, and rafamycin is another one. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, anyone discussed with your audience, but it's basically an inhibitor of a hemtor, and it's uh, have been uh, shown uh, uh, in a lot of model organisms to uh, expand the lifespan uh, uh, significantly. And significantly, I think that's more than ten percent, something between ten to twenty percent, which is uh, very significant. Um, and I think that uh, uh, soon they will try to do some. Uh, a human uh, trial. There, there was some trial with analog of uh, rafamycin that uh, done by Novartis, and they have shown some effect on uh, immunity, which was positive. But uh, nobody have done yet uh, research on that uh, that related to lifespan. And again, doing lifespan in human is very hard. It is exciting that we are starting to see at least the beginning of uh, maybe coming uh, uh, com- coming of. Uh, a small molecules or other uh, uh, intervention that can uh, help uh, uh, increase longevity. 
But I agree with you that none of those is, uh, I'm not taking any of them I'm, uh, and I'm not recommending anyone to take them. But I think that it's uh, a promising that we might have something in a few years. And what about the intervention that we haven't spoken about yet? Arguably one of the most simple interventions that we could all make, and that is getting more sleep. Yeah. So, so yeah. So uh, talking about that, so definitely sleep and nutrition and exercise uh that's <laughs> have been shown a, a, a lot of time that it's a can a, a, a prevent or delay the onset of aging related diseases all the cardiovascular and the diabetes like and also a, a, a dementia like all of that can be delayed or even prevent by uh, doing that and definitely there is a lot of uh, a value of a uh, taking the lifestyle uh, uh, intervention, and that's what actually Insert Tracker is doing. So um, I would say 1%, yes, uh, everyone should do that. Uh, and there are a few ways to do that. Uh, the, the simple way is uh, just sleep uh, better and uh, eat better and exercise better, which is very hard to do because, okay, uh, an average person says, okay, what do you want me to do? What, do you, what does it mean better? Uh, and then you can go one layer uh, deeper and uh, get something that is a bit more sophisticated and more tailored for you and more guidance like InstaTracker. And I'm not saying just do InstaTracker. There are a lot of other uh, uh, platform uh, like InstaTracker. Um, and then you will get more guidance and uh, hopefully a, a better result. But no doubt that the uh, lifestyle changes and the optimize your lifestyle is uh, definitely today the, uh, the the best intervention. And I think that caloric restriction is part of it. So it's part of a uh, lifestyle changes. And I'm curious, with all the knowledge that you've gleaned uh, based on the research that you've done over many years now, I'm, I'm curious how you live your life. What are those interventions that you apply perhaps on a, a daily basis in terms of your, your morning routine, your daily routine, things that you, based on the science, that you really don't want to miss because you, as you've described, you want to live to be healthy and, and quite yeah. old. So, so uh, first I'm following the insert tracker recommendation and I'm uh, testing uh, every quarter or so to, to find what markers are not optimized. Uh, but uh, generally, what I'm doing is, uh, first, I'm trying to do caloric restriction or uh, intermittent fasting, let's say. So I'm trying to have the 16-8 as much as I can, and 16 meaning 16 hour of fasting and 8 hour of feeding. Uh, and I think that it's pretty easy to do after a while because uh, there is one decision when you start eating and one decision when you stop eating. So it's much easier than uh, doing the two day fast and five days uh, not fasting because it's more complex. It's also better for your circadian rhythm or your uh, uh, 24 hour timing because other way can uh, make you a bit, make your body a bit confused. So that's one thing that I'm doing. It's interesting that it's evolved perhaps into the one of the most popular forms yeah. of fasting, 16, 8. And it's almost, maybe it's a, a little bit of a stretch to call it fasting because it, it's it's only 16 hours and you don't go into that deep fast that you would experience if you were fasting for a couple of days or, or for a week. So it's a very, it's an extended nighttime yeah. fast, maybe more accurately described as time-restricted eating. But uh, certainly the science shows that it can still, and you, you mentioned circadian rhythm, it can have a very significant effect there and, and certainly help you sleep once you get into a rhythm. Yeah, and... Um... I think that it's uh, in a way might resemble the uh, the right lifestyle that uh, the baseline lifestyle that we should have because uh, we haven't born uh, let's say thousands of years ago with a refrigerator next to our room that we could go at uh, at two a.m. and uh, I don't know eat a sandwich. 
uh, we, we had to hunt and gather and uh, there have been a lot of days that we uh, went to sleep hungry. And that's maybe the way that evolution wanted us to be. So I think that the artificial, it's like taking a mice in the, in the lab that you feed them uh, uh, as much as they want and come say, hey, we cut 30% of the f- uh, food from the mice. I'm not sure that it's uh, a caloric restriction yet. It might be the normal amount of food that the mice in the wild eat. So yeah, I agree with you, but it's much better than the, let's say, the Western society uh, nutrition. And yeah, I'm uh, uh, trying to exercise, but uh, not exercise too much. So I'm, uh, like, as I said, I like cycling, so I'm cycling, but uh, I'm doing it every other day. And the other day I'm doing some uh, core. I think that the core exercises are so important and uh, uh, some yoga to relax my uh, muscle, but also relax my mind. Uh, so I'm doing it every other day. And then I eat uh, the right food that uh, uh, InstaTracker telling me based on the markers that are not optimized. And the same for supplement. Uh, depending on the situation, I'm trying to, to take the right supplement that's uh, fit for me. Just uh, diving into your food based on Inside Tracker, what kind of diet is that? Yeah, so, so uh, f- for the food, I'm uh, trying to... My major issue is my... Uh, Glucose is uh, slightly high. Again, it's not a diabetic level, but I think that uh, most of us, and I've seen it in the database of uh, InstaTracker, maybe 40 or 50% of us have uh, glucose that is normal but not optimal. So I'm trying uh, to eat as as much fiber as I can. So I'm uh, uh, trying to eat uh, all grain and uh, a food that is very high with fiber, like berries and uh, and so on. I also uh, currently trying uh, coenzyme Q10, which have been shown uh, in the literature to um, modulate uh, the level of uh, glucose. I also, uh, if we're talking about lifestyle, I'm trying uh, very hard to go to sleep every day at the same time and wake up at the same time and have the routine. And yeah, sleep is, uh, <laughs> the sleep hygiene is a, a very long uh, discussion, but uh, there are a lot of things that most of us are not doing well, like uh, bringing the TV to the room or bringing the computer to the room or the phone to the room or uh, the temperature is not right temperature and the light is not. So, so there, there are a lot of things that we can do the, to improve the sleep. It's a vicious cycle. When you don't sleep well, you are hungry and you eat more and your glucose is getting higher and uh, your testosterone is going lower and your cortisol, the stress hormone is getting higher. So there are a lot of uh, influence of uh, just the sleep on, <laughs> on a lot of biomarkers that and uh, I think that is underrated how important is sleep. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing a lot of those. It's a complicated equation, certainly. Just uh, in closing for Inside Tracker, what is the next phase? Do you have a, a new project on the horizon in terms of how you'd like to see the platform develop? Yeah, so I'm working now on the next phase. And I don't know, have you heard about Waze, the navigation system on the phone? Yes. Yeah. So I'm tr- I, I would like to build InstaTracker as the Waze for uh, nutrition. So basically, uh, let me give you an example. You are, uh, you, you, you ate something that you shouldn't uh, been uh, eaten. And uh, we know that you done it. So we will recalculate the route and all, we change the, all your nutrition for that day based on the change that you done uh, uh, in the nutrition at that or all the week even. Or you are getting into a restaurant and uh, will uh, uh, tell you, Hey, Peter, uh, the best dish for you in this restaurant is dish A. But actually, this restaurant is not the best for you. And if you walk another uh, uh, 100 yards, there is a restaurant that is better for you. <laughs> or um, right. something like a, a Siri-like. 
Uh, you can say, hey, Mr. Trucker, what should I eat for breakfast today? And we'll say, okay, what do you have in your refrigerator? And say, X, Y, and Z, and say, okay, you eat that. So something that uh, basically is like a guardian angel for health, so that uh, all the time will help you to make the decision when you need it or when you want our advice. That's very interesting. So it's you're talking about instant exactly. feedback. I'm just wondering how many people are necessarily going to want that guardian angel hovering over them full time and, and maybe whether the novelty would wear off yeah. initially. I, I don't know. I guess it depends on the individual and, and how invested in your health and your lifestyle you are. Exactly. Gil Blander, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. I wish you all the best with your future endeavours. Thank you very much. Indeed. Thank you, Peter. And if you'd like to read more about Dr. Blander's work and Inside Tracker, I'll put some details into the show notes for this episode, along with a transcript of this conversation. You'll find them at our website for Live Long and Master Aging, LLAMAPodcast.com. That's LLAMAPodcast.com. This has been a Healthspan Media production. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at LLAMAPodcast. That's Peter at LLAMAPodcast.com. Direct message me at Peter Bowes on Twitter. It's always good to hear from you. We'll be back soon. Many thanks for listening.